Welcome to Conversations for the Good. Good morning, Dr. Jane. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing just fine. It's good to be together again. Yes, it is. Our conversations so far have been focused on adults coping and staying healthy through this pandemic. We talked in an earlier episode about family relationships. I was hoping to touch upon what the children are experiencing, such as how they're coping, what are their cares and concerns in this ongoing crisis. Well, Anna, you know, as we take a, a kind of a bird's eye view into many homes over the last several months, you know, we see huge transitions in how we work and how we play, how we attend school and how we socialize. And of course, you know, this has had a significant impact on the adults involved. Uh, but of course, the, the children in the households, you know, are impacted as well. And in many cases, the, the impact is not just that it's been inconvenient, it's been painful because we've, we've had, you know, um, uh, situations where people have, uh, and families uh, have experienced the loss of loved ones. Um, there have been job losses, you know, huge shift in household finances, being separated from family members, you know, extended family, and, and also friends. So the angst and anxiety and uncertainty um, has also contributed to a lot of tension and less flexibility and, and also an increase in emotional reactivity in the home environment. Well, for many, the news of a vaccine in the near future has calmed some of the fear, but not all. And now the holidays certainly have provided additional situations where missing, missing parts are glaring, you know, family gatherings, susp family gatherings suspended, traditions altered, and, you know, so many people are grieving the loss of loved ones in this crisis. Dr. Jane, the list goes on. Yes, and, and so as we step into this current scenario, you know, it's apparent that even with the, the new hope of a vaccine, we need to be open to the reality of, of the effects of the prolonged stress that we've been in and that, and that continues and that it has produced, you know, significant feelings of vulnerability. Well, yes, and it seems far from over, but there is new hope. Well, that's right. That's right. And, and hope has the potential to energize us, to kind of stay the course. However, hope is not a strategy. You know, it can energize a strategy, but it can't replace a plan, you know, a solid plan of action. Yeah. Well, if the goal is to support the children, what makes a solid plan? Well, Anna, I so often refer back to that analogy taken from pre-light safety instructions, you know, and I think it's worth repeating, you know, apply the oxygen to yourself first before you start assisting others. Yeah, so healthy support comes first from me, right? That's exactly right. Yes, we can't give what we don't have. So as we've discussed in earlier conversations, you know, when we talked about relationships and families, we, we talked about how families operate as a system. And so the health and wellness of each member of the family is going to affect the family as a whole. So therefore the self-care um, is really the foundational step to maintaining awareness of ourselves so that we know what's happening and what's going on with me, but also what's happening with our children so that we can provide the most appropriate support. So how efficiently I'm operating as a result of my self-care or lack of automatically affects the entire family. 
we've all been through this ordeal lasting several months with more to come. What are the kids experiencing? Well, in a typical household, what parents seem to be reporting is that there's an ongoing struggle in many cases, and sometimes an out-and-out battle to keep kids safe, to keep them healthy, uh, to keep them occupied, and and keep them current with, with school assignments. So many children also struggle with their own reactions. You know, keep in mind that, that children often find it very difficult to express their feelings. And, and often um, coping in the past has been to maybe visit with extended family or visit with friends as a way of kind of maintaining balance. So the social distancing has really prevented the customary social interaction. So, you know, and I can't stress strongly enough how this social interaction is so necessary for our growth and development as children. Social relationships, you know, they, they uh, build a sense of identity, a sense of self, uh, belonging and support. So it's important for that personal growth piece. You know, and also in this mix is all the uncertainty of how this is going to play out. And some experts are actually warning that these limitations could cause anxiety and depression uh, later on. So it's really important that we keep children engaged with family and friends. Absolutely. And encouraging ongoing connections via the formats of um, the internet, the phone, FaceTime, um, even online virtual games can be a, a lovely way to interact. So I guess some parents were going to need to loosen the family rules on the amount of screen time for their children. Well, you know, Anna, yes, uh, because the socialization process is really an imperative and, and, um, and it's much, much needed in these unprecedented mm -hmm. times, you know, to be able to kind of um, move with what's needed and the flexibility is also so important. You know, the old rules, rules may not apply as well to the current situation. And that flexibility really supports resilience in the long run. You know, and as always, parents need to um, uh, schedule the, the um, internet online kind of activities for younger children and always monitor and supervise activities for all minor children. Well, given that, as you said, children can't always express their feelings, where are some signs that would indicate concern or even trouble? Well, the most common problem with children, Anna, is anxiety. You know, and it's a huge issue in this current situation. You know, the internal fear and, and conflicts, you know, it has many, many faces. Uh, sometimes it peer, uh, appears um, uh, similar across different age groups and stages of development. And um, at other times, it, it looks very, very different. The essential is that parents and caregivers need to know their child. Um, need to know, is their child behaving differently? Um, often behaviors regress. It's kind of um, reverting back to more babyish or, or, or younger kinds of, of um, activities or behavior or reactions, you know, of earlier stages. For instance, like um, when we look at preschoolers, you know, thumb sucking, you know, if, if uh, thumb sucking has been uh, prevalent all along, you know, then it's like an increase in thumb sucking. But if it hasn't been uh, an activity for a while, this is a behavior for comfort that children revert back to tantrums, 
bedwetting for preschoolers, uh, clinging behavior, um, intense shyness, sometimes more, or, or, or I should say, a more intense fear of the dark, withdrawn behavior. This all tends to be that, that uh, regress behavior of preschoolers. And then as we move into elementary school, you know, the regress behaviors can be just more babyish behaviors that hasn't been seen for a while, but also increased irritability, kind of volatile reactions, tearfulness, tantrums, you know, a whole myriad of, of, of problems with concentration and attention when it was school issues, uh, avoiding class, avoiding friends, um, also kind of a sluggishness can also be prevalent, uh, uh, prevalent, and, and also nightmares in elementary school. And it comes from all the things that, that are kind of in the background that they're hearing that really kind of um, blend into their own thinking and their own kind of inner processes. And then we have adolescence. And I'm just gonna take a, a sip of, of uh, coffee here. We have adolescence. And this is where we really began to see some, some very, very deep disturbances. Sometimes it starts with something like sleep disturbance. They're not able to sleep or they're sleeping seemingly all day. Appetite disturbances, you know, weight loss, weight gain, uh, more agitation, more frequent conflicts, outbursts, um, more complaints. You know, and to some extent, as I'm saying this, you know, it, 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 it really is part of that adolescent teenage kind of a, a reactivity in many ways. And this is, again, it's also about just being able to track this. Is it more than usual? Um, sometimes um, the adolescent will stop doing the things that used to give them pleasure, or it'll show up in school performance or not being able to finish assignments or concentrate. Um, or sometimes it's, it's an actual uh, negative self-statements. You know, um, I'm too ugly, I'm too fat, I'm too this, I'm not good enough, I, you know, I'm not deserving. Uh, and sometimes actual thoughts are expressed and feelings about suicide. And I want to take just a moment, because we're not going to do a whole piece on this, but it is so incredibly important, because suicide usually is, is prefaced by a change in mood and sleep patterns, uh, withdrawal, from, withdrawal from friends, from, again, pleasurable um, uh, activities. And also it can be, you know, uh, uh, expressing helplessness, hopelessness, feeling like uh, one's a burden, uh, talking about dying or writing about dying or drawing or acting out in, you know, in plays, their own kind of um, um, compositions about dying. You know, some children talk about this openly, some children hide it. If you're, if you're seeing something, ask ask, 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 you know, it's always about put it out on the table, put it out on the table, let's make it real. So it's important to, to note that, that a child at any of these stages, um, that if they were having some of these symptoms prior to the crisis that we're in, you know, they're going to be even more vulnerable to the negative impact of all the changes and all the demands that's, that has come with the crisis. These are serious issues and really breaks my heart to think of all the suffering that kids are experiencing, especially in homes with limited resources. What are some of the basics to keep in mind for parents and caregivers? 
Well, the basics, you know, include, and I'm going to start again with the self-care. The caregivers and parents need to model and talk about and provide direction and encouragement for physical activities and exercise, you know, healthy nutrition, you know, healthy sleep patterns, uh, a balance of, of work and play. You know, uh, caregivers can, can actually demonstrate you know, breathing for relaxation. You know, we have this wonderful video early on in our uh, quieting technique, the, the welcoming breath. You know, share that with your kids. You know, it's it's age appropriate at any age. Um, I was just just looking at a, a video the other night where this little bit, he probably was um, maybe three or four, this little boy telling his younger sister that she needed, she was obviously very, very tearful in, in the moment. And he was telling her to take a nice deep breath. And I thought, you know, someone has demonstrated this for him and, and he's willing to share it with this other little tyke, you know, in the video it was just absolutely darling. You know, younger children can, can actually place a um, stuffed toy on their abdomen as they're lying down and they can watch with the in-breath and the out-breath how that, that um, uh, little stuffed animal rises and falls with each breath. It can be enormously relaxing. That's so sweet. So they can be, begin to slow the movement down and watch it happen. That's I right. That's a perfect place to begin. That's right. It's also, you know, in, in um, talking about, uh, you know, how we can support our kids. It's also about um, providing creative outlets, encouraging creative activities, um, try new things. Um, arts and crafts, science projects, musical activities, board games, all of these can be enormously helpful during these times. And, and the other piece is don't be afraid to talk about COVID. Convey the facts in an age-appropriate manner. You know, correct misinformation. You know, stay focused on what's possible if we make healthy choices. You know, be reassuring. And it's also about letting your children's questions be your guide. Children are often confused. They don't need elaborate explanations. You know, stick with the facts. This is about lessening their fears. And sometimes they just need a few words to get back to that, get back to that balance. You know, the other piece is as caregivers and parents acknowledging our own anxiety and, and our own um, unsettledness, learning practices that can help us balance ourselves, help us relax and focus and become more aware to help manage it. And also sharing these practices with our children. You know, the focus is staying safe, staying safe and sharing that, what that means to us, to the kids. Keeping it real and out in the open. That's right. And I, and I can't, uh, express how important, I mean, I can't express in, in uh, enough of how keeping routines is so incredibly important during this time. You know, getting up at the same time, eating at the same times, bedtime, consistency and structure can be enormously calming, especially for younger children. You know, they're the ones who, who tend to um, um, want more than well, but I also have to say the older children too, especially if there's any angst or anxiety, you know, they, they really want and benefit from knowing what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. You know, get the family involved, you know, post the schedule, review it at the beginning of each day. You know, this is, this is incredibly important. And it also allows us that come together time in the consistency to be more aware 
of symptoms of stress, you know, and also, you know, it, are there symptoms of trauma? We've talked about that in earlier episodes. You know, they show up initially as behavioral changes, as we've just mentioned. So it's about also limiting access to negative news feeds and social media. Let's keep the negativity, you know, at a, at a low, low level, given all the, the other things that are going on. Dr. Jane, this is a good suggestion for adults as well. I want to be informed, but sometimes the news is overwhelming and feeds into angst and anxiety. Well, I, I agree, Anna. It does. And that's why we need to also stay close to our social network, you know, and especially those friends and family members who can be supportive, okay? And it's also important to encourage our, our children to do the same thing, whether it's Skype or FaceTime, you know, or playing games online, as I, I mentioned. You know, it, it's also working as a team um, to maintain the household and tasks, but to do fun activities together as well. And also to stay connected to the school, the school staff, keep open communication, communicate with other families in the school system. This can also be important. And also reaching out for help. You know, ask your physician or the school counselor if you need a referral. It's out there, it's available. Yeah. Well, these are all good common sense tips to tune into what's happening with our precious younger generation and to give them the support and reassurance that we all need. That we all need, Anna, yes. Well, thank you, Dr. Jane. Until our next conversation. I look forward to it, Anna. Thank you.